Indian people are fully aware of what their accent sounds like. <laughs> we don't actually need you. <laughs> we know exactly what it sounds like. We know it's not the coolest accent in the world, you know? You're never gonna see two Indian guys in a club standing around going, hey man, aren't we cool? Don't, don't we sound really hip? We are going to meet all the bitches tonight. Hey everyone, Tony here. Welcome to another episode of The Cusp. That clip you just heard was Russell Peters and his breakout performance in 2004. When that special first went viral, the three of us were still kids and we were trying to figure out what we wanted to be when we grew up. In this episode, we're going to start off by talking about those childhood aspirations. But then we're also going to talk about diversity in media and how being represented on screen can really impact what you think is possible growing up. We also talked about contemporary media figures like Russell Peters and how media representation can affect the expectations that people have when they first meet you. Just a quick note, we're not trying to be the moral arbiters of our communities here. And we understand that there are people that might disagree with our perspectives on these issues. If you're one of those people, feel free to reach out to us at thecusppod at gmail.com and express your perspective there. Thanks again for tuning in. And here's Tom on what he wanted to be when he grew up. changed my mind a lot from like grade one to grade six I wanted to be many things and for context my dad was a banker my mom was a gynecologist and those were none of my choices from grade one to grade six I remember I think the first choice or the first thing I really wanted to be passionately was a CIA detective like think not CIA rather CSI think, think like, CSI like Miami. James Bond like no yeah yeah like a mix of actually no not james bond like csi miami that was really the motivation <laughs> I, I was watching too much csi miami when i was like seven years old and and there was this time we did a math competition in school and i won so yeah i was a bit of a nerd anyway i won this math competition and the prize was a book about how forensic science works and how they like take fingerprints and you know, do iris scans and all those things. And I was just fascinated by it. And I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to be the next like, CSI Miami. Sorry, why, why, why did they have a forensic science book as the prize for this math competition? Like, if they didn't <laughs> have like, a math have, book or like uh, something I related? No I have no idea, but that was just it. And it was it was just a fascinating book. And I think it had all these tiny like, attachments to it so i think there was a mini 
there was like a there was like a tape or something you could put your fingers on and you can see your fingerprints and then you could compare your fingerprints to like other fingerprints oh, cool. in the books because there's a general type yeah so like as a seven eight, eight year old i was like this is just magnificent <laughs> it's just fascinating i couldn't i couldn't stop so anyway that was one thing i wanted to be the next csi csi dude what about you guys cool um interesting tom when, when did the whole uh, csi agent thing fade out for you uh, i think it faded out when i found the next thing i wanted to be um but I don't, I'll tell you what the next thing was, but you, you guys go first. Okay. Um, I guess for me, the first thing I ever wanted to be was, that I can remember at least, was an astronaut. And this was at the age of, I think, six or seven years old. And I was hooked. Like, I was reading every single astronaut paper, like, astronomy paper that you could read in, like, the library. I was checking out books. I was, like, on the internet surfing about stuff. I was learning about planets. I was, like, super nerdy into it, and I kept... I think I did a project on Roberta Bondar, who's, like, a female Canadian... famous female Canadian astronaut, and I was just, like, really, like, enamored with uh, the prospect of becoming one, and then I don't remember what the name of the crash was, but there was a huge spaceship crash, and um, I remembered like I was shook as a kid, and I I wouldn't go to school, I wouldn't eat any food. My parents were like, "What's wrong with this guy?" And I wouldn't say anything. It was like I think five or six days, and then finally my mom was like, "Okay, what's up?" And I'm like, "You're not saying anything. What's going on?" And then I started crying, and I was like, "I don't want to be an astronaut." And then my mom told me, you don't, you don't have to be an astronaut, dude. You can be whatever you want. And then I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I kind of just moved on. And I don't, I don't remember what the next thing was, but I remember that was like a huge thing as a kid. So yeah, that was the first thing I, I, I just, wanted. Sorry, just imagine your mom saying something more savage than that. Like, don't worry, Uncle, you're, you're not going to be an astronaut anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty savage. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that, that was the first thing for me. And then after that, there was a bunch of different things. It was like, I watched the inconvenient truth. I wanted to be an environmentalist. I watched, um, I wanted to be a politician at one point. I still have some aspirations there. Um, I wanted to be, uh, an investment bank, not investment, sorry, a lawyer at one point because of suits. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it seems like changed you're a lot. getting like a lot of your aspirations from like external sources. So like, you'll watch. And I think that's or- fair. I think that's fair, Tony, because that happened. That happened with me too. I was watching CSI Miami, and I wanted to be the next. Uh, what's his name? Horatio, I think is his name. <laughs> I want. I wanted to do that glasses flip so bad. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I I went through like the astronaut phase, like like any self respecting nerdy kid. Um, but the two the two standouts for me are probably. There was like a time I wanted to be a history teacher and another time where I wanted to be a, a stand-up comedian. Um, I, I guess I why wanted do, why, to... Why like, don't you, tell, you should tell us more about that one, Tony, the stand-up comedian one. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave it a shot and it wasn't like I was uh, good. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, like wow. I... Wow. <laughs> you were proud you're saying? <laughs> No, I don't think I was trash. I think there are certain constraints on like becoming uh successful in stand-up comedy that require uh to 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 pass through those constraints, you have to make some sacrifices. Like 
that I I don't think as a as like a Indo Canadian person I I was going to make uh for for a multitude of reasons and I think this is maybe why there aren't that many like Indo Canadians represented in media at times um it's just mm. like a completely unsafe career play you're more or less committing your entire life to trying to become a stand-up comedian, something that doesn't have a guarantee that it'll pay off. Uh, there are, like, cultural hurdles. Like, obviously, it's going to be harder to make it as a stand-up if you're, like, a brown guy. Um, But also, just geographically, like, I'd have to move... I'd probably have to move somewhere with, like, a more robust stand-up scene. Like, in Canada, there's Montreal, there's Toronto. Uh, in America, there's more places, but... Yeah. Okay. it's It takes a lot of commitment. Um, so I, I just decided to, to go to university and now I'm going to be a lawyer <laughs> well, <laughs> cracking I mean, jokes in court. <laughs> I mean, um, the other thing I wanted to be when growing up, which was kind of weird, but again, heavily influenced by what I was just watching at the time, I wanted to be a foreign correspondent on like a big um, news channel like that. I was very passionate about that. And I, and of course the major reason is. In African households in general, CNN is like a big deal. Like almost, I can t- I don't know the percentage, but I'm gonna guess at least eighty percent of our households watch CNN every night in, oh, wow. in Africa, and I and I and I don't know why. Not just Nigeria, but I think a lot of places in Africa they do that. So I, anyway, I was always watching CNN growing up, and I was watching people like uh, uh, Christian Amanpour. I was watching Anderson Cooper. I was watching Richard Crest, and I was like, man, these people have cool jobs. They talk to fun people and they travel around the world i want to do that so i, I wanted to be a, a foreign co- worldwide correspondent but then apart yeah. from that i think then 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 life life got a bit more serious i think um i after i think it was grade 11 or 10 i read the book freakonomics and then i decided i want to be an economist like that is the goal that is all i wanted to um, i wanted to study everything about behavioral economics about nudge theory all of that like that just became the thing and still that didn't happen <laughs> ended up becoming a consultant instead um but it's just funny how how many how many things i wanted to be and then what i ended up being was just kind of completely different and what i might do, be do in the future might be extremely different as well so i think we all can relate to that a little bit when we're younger we we dream of being many things things that might be impossible to us but things that might not even make sense but we don't really care we're just kids and we're just dreaming but the boys and I really started to wonder what happens when we grow up what influences us and what makes us actually make that final decision of of what we want to start pursuing as a career and we explore that in the next part of the podcast it's interesting to me that I wanted to be a foreign correspondent even though when I was watching all these news channels and watching all these foreign correspondents, none of them really look like me. Um, but I've, I found it, I, I've always thought back to why, why did I feel, why did I still think that that was a career I could pursue? Or maybe, maybe actually that's why I didn't keep that dream alive because I just didn't see a lot of people that look like me doing that. But it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. interesting you mentioned that because I feel like I, I feel exactly the same way about stand-up comedy in the sense that there, there were really no 
outside of Russell Peters, who really swerved mm-hmm. into like, like he he swerved into using the Indian accent and kind of like using all these different accents and catering to like the tropes about Indian people to a certain extent. Outside of him, there weren't really any Indo Canadian or Indian role models in the stand-up comedy scene in North America, later on, Aziz, when I, when I, like, after I, I wasn't considering it anymore, Aziz Ansari started blowing up, and now Hassan Minaj is big. So there, there are a lot of people that, that, that I guess from the community that are, that are making it now, but at the time, like, there, there wasn't really anyone, the Indo-Canadian community could point to and say, like, that's, that's the role model of, media success um except russell peters who i actually think like achieved like a elvis presley status for like the indian community in north america i don't know if you or south asian community overall i would say i don't know if you agree encore yeah he was kind of like like so first of all 100 percent, i i definitely like can see what you're saying and i mean to add on to what tony said the other thing that we've we've seen, aside from I guess more mainstream uh, comedians like Hassan Minaj and uh, Aziz, is also kind of YouTube comedians blowing up. So I'm thinking, um, like in Canada, Just Rain is blown up, and I'm yeah. thinking people like Lily Singh, which who has her own show. And so we didn't. I mean, like when I was growing up, I I saw some of their videos on YouTube, but none of them were really big until I was in my twenties. Right. That's when I saw more representation. And now we're seeing the Mindy Kalings of the world and um, different actors. Uh, the one guy from Aladdin who's Egyptian Canadian. So we are seeing more of that. But yeah, like Tony said, all we really had as a kid was was Russell. So it's interesting because what I'm hearing is like when we were all growing up, we wanted to be different things. And, you know, obviously, as kids, you dream about doing a lot of things that you probably can't do it, like being an astronaut and all those kind of things. But it seems like we have all these, we have a wide, wide variety of ideas and they kind of get reined in the more you, as you grow up, which is, which is what we expect. But it seems that the ideas we rein into or narrow down into, they become a function of what we think is actually possible for us to achieve as people of color or as, or as people of a certain community. So we might start with a big bucket of wild ideas, but they all get narrowed down into what we, we've seen other people actually do that look like us. I, I would say one thing, though, Tom, I think it, it, just to say like um, for our generation, I think it has broadened a bit in comparison to my parents. And I'll give I'll, I'll give the example of like whenever I talk about um, careers of my dad, when I was growing up, when I was like, I mean, in high school, junior high, etc. My dad would always say, like, focus on quantitative stuff because that's what people like us do. We, we can't thrive in just talking and selling and stuff like that. That's because that's what the Western he should have, He should have said that Nepalese people can't do things outside of quantitative stuff. Well, it's not even like, yeah. he wasn't even trying to be, um, it was just like, look, all he's seen is people from our backgrounds thriving in STEM backgrounds. And so he mm-hmm. would push me towards that. And it's only later on when I, when I proved to him that I was actually really talented at more qualitative skills that he was like, okay, you know what, you can do whatever you need to do. Cause I have, I have faith. Yeah. I was going to say like, I, I kind of experienced something similar. Like my, my parents really wanted to push my, my brother and I into 
quantitative feels. I think part of that is informed by the fact that they had had STEM careers. Um, and like really one of the only ways to, to immigrate to Canada at the time, like was to establish, have like an established career here already. And STEM was like one of the main ways to, to make sure that happened. Uh, and so like when they're, they're here, it's like, yeah, they don't, like, they don't want their kid going into something unstable or risky. Uh, and I think that's probably true for, for a lot of immigrant communities. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, Tony, that's a major driver for my parents, too, especially when, when they sent me, uh, sent me to Canada to, to study. It's all about doing something that they know would at least guarantee me a job or a decent paying job. So the classic trope of immigrants only letting their children be doctors, lawyers, or engineers, it's, it's all from that basis, right? They just, they think it's a guarantee of a certain level of income, a certain livelihood that they want to make sure you achieve. I was gonna say though, I, I think something interesting on, on that Lily Lily Singh and, and Just Rain point um, that that I'm noticing now is Gen Zs who've grown up in and I'm talking about people under 18 here that have grown up in a in a world where they take um, at least South Asian media representation not for granted but they have a lot more of it. I think view some of the figures we had growing up with a completely different lens uh, in the sense that I see now that people like Lily Singh have been criticized for using like the, the fake Indian accent in some of their skits or comedic material um, in, in the same way Russell Peters did. And when we were growing up, because that was our only option it was great it was hilarious whatever he could do to to get that attention and to get people people to listen that was great and it was the first time we were seeing an Indi Indian comedian uh whereas now people are saying well Lily Singh doesn't need to do that she has a platform she has an audience all she's doing is reinforcing these negative stereotypes with a fake accent the uh, uh, an accent that a lot of our parents have by the way um, I'd love to hear either of your thoughts on that. I, I kind of think that they should probably stop using the accents. Um, I, I'm basing that on some thoughts I've had about Indian representation in the media for a long time. For instance, when the Apu debate started, whether he should be removed mm -hmm. from The Simpsons or they should maintain the character... I personally, one, one, if, if I was ever bullied as a kid, one of the main ways I'd be bullied is, frankly, white kids using the Apu accent. Mm. And so for me, it wasn't even a question that he shouldn't be on The Simpsons anymore. But I know for a lot yeah. of older Indian people, it was like, hey, this was like an Indian character in a time when there were no Indian characters anywhere on TV. Why, why yeah. do we want to remove this guy? And of course, he's voiced by a white person so that that kind of weighs yeah. to one side so tony i think for me how i see it is i think it's growth right so mm -hmm. as, as you said in our parents generations there was no 
representation in media. So just getting anyone or any kind of character, even if their accent was a stereotype, just getting something, it, it meant something to that generation, right? But as society yeah. has grown, I think we've gotten to a stage where we don't need to do that. Maybe maybe people like Lady Singh and Muscle Peters to first appeal to the mass audience, they needed to do these stereotype accents to appeal to a mass audience. But now that they've established a certain repertoire, a certain, a certain critical mass, I think it's time that society, that they grow out of that phase where they don't feel the need to do those stereotypes to appeal to, to groups. I feel like once once they've reached that critical mass, they can they can change that stereotype. But I think I don't think we should also blame them. I think when we look back in the past, we shouldn't blame them with you know our twenty twenty sunglasses on, right? We we need to we need to accept that they did that for a reason, and we need to allow them the space to grow and change. Right? I think it's a fair criticism, but I think we should also accept that they did it for a reason. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with all of that, Tom, and I'll I'll echo it. I have no interest in canceling Lily Singh or Aziz or Mindy Kaling or Russell Peters or anyone that might have at a time relied on a South Asian stereotype to get ahead. These are role models or are in positions to be role models now for the Indian or South Asian community overall. And I don't think we should be canceling them because of what they had to do to get into that position. At the same time, mm-hmm. I'm not going to absolve them of responsibility today to not propagate those stereotypes because they don't have to anymore so yeah yeah, i think i think balancing those two interests like i i still want to be able to celebrate russell peter's career and i hope he's still successful but i don't think he needs to be using the accents as much anymore even though it was at one point part of his act and i think honestly all of their art forms will grow as a result of kind of stepping away from those yeah. stereotypes, but also really put the, the best foot forward for the for the community. Just to get back to this this idea of the the representation you have at the time versus the representation you want and kind of balancing those interests. Um I look at someone like Lily Singh. Again, I have no interest at all in canceling someone like her. She needs to stop doing the accents now in my opinion. Yeah, I totally understand part of reconciling the Indo-Canadian experience in Canada with the media representation we have at times was to do those accents because you know what our parents were never going to be on television so the only time we would hear someone that sounded like our parents was from someone our age doing an accent like that like Lily Singh or Just Rain and at this point it's like I, I don't think we need to we need to do that anymore. We as a community can can just express what we've been experiencing because we have these platforms now. I will also say I think the perfect example of how what they were at the time has resulted in tangible benefits for our community is Just Rain, who did those skits. And arguably Jag Jagmeet Singh, who is a political party leader in Canada now. Um, was really elevated on Just Rain's YouTube channel and by the Indian community broadly once he, he got that exposure. So mm. it, it's resulted in, in uh, a minority face represented in, in, in Canadian political discourse. So and, mm. and not to get too much into that or, or his politics, but I think that's certainly good to see from, from like a Indo-Canadian perspective. Yeah. 
so we spoke about people with a huge following and a huge influence in the media people from um, minority backgrounds and and that's important it's important to see people that look like you in media people with shared experiences and just having that diversity of perspectives in the media is, is super important so we spoke a little bit about the media and the power of it and what kind of experiences have we seen in the media and how is that changing Tom, what, um, what do you, oh. what do you yeah, feel about the representation, not necessarily just in Canadian media, but just media in, I guess, the Western world overall about the African immigrant experience? Because I'm sure you get a lot of content about Black experience, but but specifically the African immigrant experience. I, I think it's followed um similar paths as the indo-canadian experience the you know whoever you get whoever is the first real face on mainstream has to do the accents to kind of break into the crowd because that's kind of what the the to be frank the fairly predominantly white crowd expects them to sound like so that's that's the accent they're gonna have so i see a show like gay white people and there's a there's a there's a character in that show that i really resonate with because he's an african character and he's He's come from Africa, but he's studying at an Ivy League, Ivy League school, and he clearly has a an African tone to his accent, but it's not in a way that's overly, you know, expressed so that everyone knows he's an Afri- he's an African character. It's just there. It's just like part of his, it's just part of his experience. I think they really found a nice balance to that. So it's good to get that kind of representation now in media, and I think I think again there's there's growth in that area. So. I, I think, you know, again, just really the main point is it's it follows similar paths as the Indo-Canadian experience. And I think we're starting to get more representation that's a bit more, that's, it, it's less, like, as you mentioned, Anka, the act is less about the accents, but now it's actually about the whole experience of that individual, which I, yeah. I start to appreciate. Do, yeah. do, you think, do you think part of this is because of changes in media, like mediums, in the sense that Dear White People, obviously, an exceptional show, represents different aspects of, of Black and minority experiences, um, especially in the college setting, which is which is really unique. Uh, but I, I almost feel like, and I, I'm not sure how, how that show was, was created, but I'm willing to bet Netflix gave creative freedom to a group of independent creators to produce this content, which I don't think necessarily would have been possible when you just had a couple cable networks predominantly run by you know crotchety uh pale male and stale guys um <laughs> that were, were kind of pre-selecting this content uh and i'm, I'm not necessarily i don't know the leadership of netflix or whether it's more diverse but i feel like you get a lot more nuance and and reflections of these different experiences in media content not just on netflix but but everywhere today so mm-hmm. did you think part of that is because mediums are, are changing? I mean, it has to be, right? I think, I think part of it is mediums are changing, but I think probably the biggest driver is just demographics are changing. I think, yeah. I think media companies, um, I don't think they're benevolently good and they're doing it just out of the goodness of their hearts. I think there's obviously a, a profit motive there and, the, and they've probably seen mm-hmm. that the demographics are changing. Demographics in America, North America in general are changing to a more diverse group of people. So we have to make shows that also appeal 
to this new middle class that has this disposable income and wants to see themselves in the media. So I think definitely it's a bit of both. Yeah, one thing I'd say is I feel like there's growing demand for second generation content. So for example, um, so for for listeners who don't know, I, I come from a Nepalese family. I was born in Nepal, but raised here in Canada. And Nepal borders on India. So we watched a lot of Bollywood growing up. Indian content was very popular in my household. But as much as I loved Bollywood and love Bollywood, I still like watch a ton of that content. There, it still was distinctly different from, I think, the Indo-Canadian or Indo-American experience. And so it was nice for me, um, you know, I guess later on in my late teens, early 20s, to see people that spoke to that specific experience, like Hassan Minaj, like Aziz Ansari or Lily Singh. And also to see content that's coming out now to speak to that experience, like Mindy Kaling is having a show that's coming out now, etc. And I think we're starting to see more of that with regards to different ethnic groups and different demographics, like um, for example, Crazy Rich Asians kind of spoke more to Asian people who grew up here. Or um, what's the word? Uh, Kim's Convenience is a really popular show right now that is about a Korean-Canadian family in Toronto, right? And so I feel like the growing demographics of ethnic minorities here in North America and also in societies like the UK and Australia, et cetera, is, means that there's a growing demand for content that reflects their lived experiences, which is probably different from the lived experiences of someone that grew up in India or in China or in Korea, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And something I just wanted to note as well is um, I just really wanted to talk about the power of, of the media. And this is more of a personal experience. So just to tell you what just the power the media has. So I came to Canada when I was uh, 17 years old and I, I came and I did, I did uh, a one year in high school and then I went to university here. So I was, I was a fairly older person. I, I, had, I, had a, I had fairly established what my character is and the kind of person I wanted to be. Um, so I was 17 years old when I came to Canada and from Nigeria, so I'm of African heritage. But as soon as I landed in high school, there was, I could tell that people expected me to behave a certain way. There was a, there was a certain, there was a certain, um, there were certain characteristics they expected me to have as a, as a black person in North America, even though I came from an African heritage. And a lot of this was predominantly um, inspired by what they've seen of black characters in North American media. And that, and what they had seen is mostly a very African American experience, which is, which is different from the African experience, but that didn't matter to them because as long as, as I was in North America, I was just, I was black. So I had to act like every other black character they had seen in media. So for example, you know, I would go to the gym and we would start basketball classes and people would be like, I want Tom on my team because I think he's going to be great. And I was like, dude, I, I've never played basketball ever. Like, this is, this is not, this is not my skill set. But they had expected me to do that because that's what the African-American experience has shown them. Um, other things was like, somebody would come up to me and be like, Tom, have you, have you listened to the latest Kanye West album? And I'm like, you know, I like Kanye, but I'm not a big, big fan. So no, I can't rap every single line to his album for you. And there was all these like little, little um, stereotypes that they expected me to have. And it didn't matter that I was a black person from Africa. As long as I was in North America, the media experience of an African-American and the, the stereotypes of African-Americans had all been put on me as well. And it's just what was expected. So the, the media just really shaped everyone's expectations of me. So when I see a character like the person in Dear White People who, who is a black person in America, but they, they were able to distinctly show his 
his experience as someone from an Af- African heritage, like that, that was really, that was just touching for me. It just felt nice for someone to explain that, you know, yes, yes, he's black, but he, he is, he has his own lived experience. You know, it's all about the inter- intersectionality of individuals. You can't just, you can't, you can't judge them based on one characteristic. There's, it's an amalgamation of things, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I guess, um, yeah, that, that, that's a really good way to put that. I, I kind of had a, not, not, obviously we have different intersecting identities, so not, not necessarily an identical experience, but similar in, in some of those themes, um, growing up as, as, uh, and obviously this term is what it is, um, as like a quote, whitewashed person, as, as I'm told I am, um, in, in Canada, it's, it's interesting. It's like, there are these two, uh, cultures colliding this indian culture and then kind of the the multiplicity of cultures you see in canada colliding and then kind of this community emerging out of that collision with its with with both cultures reflected in it and it's interesting like i i get um criticized for being too brown on one side and not brown enough on the other and mm. I get uh, both, and 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 the it's it's irritating to me at at times because I can't be accountable for any acculturation or assimilation that took place as a result of the community I grew up in, and I also um, can't be accountable for like the unique identity that I have. Those things are just facts. Like I, I, I just am who I am and am a reflection of the community I grew up in. That does not mean I can't own the fact that I'm a South Asian person and mm. the impact that my skin color has on any interaction I have with anyone, whether mm. they're white or another Indian person, that, that colors that interaction. And again, makes them attribute a certain set of characteristics to me. Uh, and, and like, like Tom said, they, they expect certain things out of me. And it's like those rival expectations I found difficult to balance. You're hundred percent right. Like when I was in Nigeria, I was just Tom. But when I came to Canada, I was now Tom, the black guy like that all of a sudden was kind of the major characteristic. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been trying out new segments of our podcast to end the podcast with. And this week, we're trying out a new segment. We call it, What Are You Sleeping On? And the idea is the boys and I will each pitch each other a new book, movie, TV show, something we've picked up over the past week. And we're going to try and convince each other that it's great and, and, and they should pick it up as well. So we'll each have a minute to pitch the idea and a minute to ask questions about the idea. So hope you enjoy some of our suggestions for this week and hope to see you next time. Thanks. So, 30 seconds on the clock. Anka, what are you sleeping on? 
Ooh, interesting. Okay, so I think this fits really well with the theme of today's episode. Uh, the show I, I think we're all we've all been sleeping on is called Family Karma. Now it is a reality TV show about the lived experiences of South Asian Americans, specifically Indian Americans in Miami. The reason why I think it's dope is it represents the duality of our communities. It has like some anti drama. It has it, some characters who aren't just trashy. They're actually pretty realistic. So and it's just entertaining. So I think I think it's just an entertaining watch that you can you know watch, laugh at, discuss with your friends, and I think it's a good time. So you're sleeping on family karma. That's my pitch. What、uh, what platforms is it on?、Uh, platforms. It's available on、um, I think Telus on Demand, and if you don't have cable, like most of us don't, you can also get I think a free、uh, free trial of I want to say I don't remember what the name is right now. It's slipping my head.、Uh, Slice Slice in Canada. You can get a free trial of Slice for a month and just watch it there. Most of the episodes of the season are already out, so you can probably binge it and then just go from there. Are you are you watching it with your with your with your parents? I am. They're kind of like surprised at how much these people are wild and out. They're just like, like,、uh, oh my god! Like, I, do 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 you guys do this? And I'm like,、uh, sometimes we drink and sometimes we party. Like, like, what were you, are you surprised? You know what I mean? So I think they're surprised by it. They're 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 finding it humorous, and they find specifically, I think they find the the aunties and uncles kind of humorous because they're like, oh, we do that to you, or we don't do that to you. So it's interesting for them to see their experiences. Yeah.、Cool. Okay. So. Next person. So, Tony, what are you slipping on? You have thirty seconds on the clock. Okay, so I have two things. First of all,、uh, if you haven't watched Tiger King yet, you're not cooler than the rest of us. You're not classy. You're just missing out on a great show. So you should watch Tiger King. The second one is I just finished watching、uh, Chernobyl. It's on HBO. Really great、mm. show.、Uh, much better than you might you might expect.、Um, and it really gives you insight into. How bad this disaster could have been,、uh, and and the preventative measures, and and how the bureaucratic state impacted those measures. So it, it's a really great experience. Great actors.、Uh, I, I definitely encourage people to watch it. Yeah, I have to say about Chernobyl, it's such a, especially during this post-pandemic world we're living in. It's a timely show talking about, like you said, how bureaucratic governments respond in a time of emergency. And how that can really shape the, the eventual、um, results of that emergency—it's a fascinating show. Yeah,、um, it's interesting. It's interesting that you say it's timely because I think it came out like a year ago or two years ago, so the pandemic wasn't even even in the picture. But I guess the message still stands.、Um, Chernobyl—I've heard nothing but good things about actually, so I'm gonna get on that. I, I'm watching The Wire right now on HBO, so I think when I'm done that, I'll watch Chernobyl. Yeah, Wire is really good.、Um, Yeah, and and to to the timeliness point, I it's interesting. It's it's a disaster that that was prevented, and I we we think a lot about these.、Um, like I I think we don't fully appreciate sometimes the disasters that could have been because of of these preventative measures. So, for instance, Ebola could have been as bad as COVID nineteen, but we shut it down.、Um, And we're not going to hear about like a lot of the the broad impacts that could have occurred just because we were ahead of the game. So a lot to think about as as we consider these other you know known unknown knowns, I guess.、Mm. Um, okay, 
Yeah, I'm going to pitch something completely wild. Um, so you, I think you all know I'm a, I'm a big, big anime fan. So picture this. It's, it's a world where humans have been living on Mars for about 50 years. And there's two indie artists, um, two girls, who are trying to bring back creativity and music to Mars. Because now human beings all listen to music and, and things created by AI. So they're trying to bring back that creativity into Mars and change the way society interprets art. And just to top it all off, just to top it all off as well, there's a little bit of right right wing politics where politicians in Mars want to send back refugees from Earth back back to Earth, and all of this is happening as it as it crosses with the girls' music and the influence. It's a completely wild show, great anime, great music, great animation. It's just it's such a beautiful show to watch, and I just I recommend it highly just because it's so different and so entertaining. Where, no, where can sorry, I... I should say the name. I should say the name of the show. The name of the show is Carol and Tuesday on Netflix. Just, just a great show. Carol on Tuesday. Carol and Tuesday. Those are the names of the two uh, indie artist girls. Yeah. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm watching. I don't even have any yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if you haven't watched anime before, it's uh, it, it it might be a good one to watch first. It, I think it's pretty open to people who who don't even have past like anime watching experience. Damn man. Well, yo, I'm in. Like, I think you sold me on this. Tony, you got any questions, Vince? Uh, no, no, I, I'm, I'm good. I, uh, I feel like I, I can't fit more anime to my media digest right now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you watching right now? Uh, right now, I'm trying to get through Hunter x Hunter, which came out a couple years ago. Um, which Hunter takes, x Hunter takes is. Yeah, Hunter x Hunter is it's it's interesting, especially when you get to the Crimea arc. My gosh, it just it becomes something else. No spoilers, but it's something else. Damn. All right, everyone. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard. Please subscribe to us on your preferred podcast listening platform and uh, follow us on social. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our handles are all at the cusp pod. That's no space, no caps, the cusp pod. You can also email us at the pod at gmail.com. And yeah, let us know what you thought about the episode. Let us know what you liked, what you disliked. And of course, if you're really vibing with this content, share it with your friends because we'd love to grow the podcast. All right, that's it. Thank you again. Bye-bye now.